Anything, church? Uh, praise God for this opportunity that He gave to me tonight that I would I'm able to stand here before you. Actually, I thought I was going to preach at this meeting, and, and then I was waiting for the link. I said, "Oh yes, yes, yes," and then. It turns out I won't be preaching in the next day. I said, oh, I think it might be next week. And then I received a text earlier. Oh, you're going to preach tonight. Oh, I was. Uh, it's good. I was able to prepare. Um, I praise God that um, after a long time, I'm able to stand again in front of the pulpit. Um, I left uh, last March. I went to the Philippines and then I came, was able to come back. Um, right to my beautiful wife, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I praise God for it. It's uh, such a blessing. And thank you, church, for your um, blessing to us as well. I'm really uh, thankful that God uh, God enabled me to meet all of you. Um, I'm actually very grateful that uh, you blessed us with so much, uh, not only with uh, material blessings but also with prayers and love. And uh, praise God that um, as a church, uh, we are able to get together now. Amen. Yeah, and um, my preaching tonight is related to the church. It's actually related to Baptist history. Um, this is uh, kind of a bit of uh, Sunday school. Sunday school. So before we start, let's uh, bow down our heads and pray. Uh, it's good to start the prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that we received um, this week. And even, Lord, the challenges that we are able to experience, Lord. Uh, Lord, guide my lips with your mouth, Lord, that thanks to oh God, as I bring your words to your people. And Lord, we, we just magnify your name, Lord, in the midst of us and forgive us of our sins. Lord, we thank you and give us understanding and wisdom. Lord, um, a humble spirit. You just made me pray. Amen. Okay. Um, so, um, who, who, who here has um, known about the Baptist history? Um, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, let's open our Bibles in Acts 11 26. That will be our verse. What's that? Acts 11 26. And when he had found him, he had brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves to the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And tonight we are going to talk about um, the people whose lineage goes back from the apostles to the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the movement of Christianity that Jesus Christ started. Well, these people, um, these Christians, had certain beliefs that distinguished them throughout history and have separated them from the false teaching and false churches. So, question, uh, who are the Baptists? Um, sorry, if I say something, I'm just correct. Um, the Baptists are people who can trace their roots back right back from the very church that Jesus Christ built and flourished in Jerusalem. History tells us that it started around 30 AD. Uh, Brother Adrian, can you please... Uh, uh, this is just an illustration that I got from the internet. It's um, from The Trail of Blood. It's, um, it's a good book that depicts the origin of the Baptists. So it started around 30 AD. Um, with the plot beginning from the birth of Jesus Christ, as you already, and the movement that he started, called Christianity. During this time, Jesus began to gather followers, and he continued to preach the gospel, and after his death, his burial and res resurrection, and after his ascension, was the starting of the local New Testament churches. So at this time, the, the apostles, they began spreading the gospel worldwide, beginning from Jerusalem, then to Samaria, then to Antioch and Cyprus, to Asia Minor, and it spread mainly through the um, Apostle Paul to the Gentiles. So you can see there, um, 30 AD. Oh, you can see there. Sorry, 30 AD to 64 AD. 
this movement of the believers were actually persecuted by during the time of Jesus Christ who persecuted them it was the Jews at that time it was the Jews that um, crucified the Savior and you can actually argue with me that uh, maybe the Romans were part of that but you can also argue that the Jews it was the Jews that pressured the Romans right they pressured Pilate um, and manipulated them into crucifying Christ it was then the Jews who persecuted the early church. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 and 15, it says there, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye, have also, ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. And note this, even as they have of the Jews. Who, killed, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men. So, you can see in this verse that Paul was speaking to the Gentile believers at the church of Thessalonica, therefore um, Thessalonians, and he was talking to them about their own persecutions, and he brings up his, his persecutions as well. And note that it was based on the verse that the Jews killed the Lord Jesus Christ and persecuted the early church. And if you can move to the book of Acts, Acts 11 to the 6, uh, at this verse, and in this verse it was clear as well who the main persecutors of Christianity are, or where. They were the ones who persecuted Christ, nailed him to the cross, killed him, and that carried on through the whole of Acts from the moment that the new local the local New Testament began with the Lord Jesus Christ in 30 AD to 64 AD. So Acts 11, 26. And when they had found him, he brought them, they brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians. This is when they were first called Christians in Antioch. And this is the first time they were called Christians, and it's actually it's not um, an honorary term, it was actually a derogatory term, it was like a mocking term, that uh, was saying, oh you're a Christian, you, you are just like Christ. It was um, actually a, gay, a name given to them by the unbelievers. They were saying, ah oh, you're just one of those Christ-like followers, you're a Christian, ah ew, something like that. And what happened was the believer the believers they embraced this term instead of, of being sad or being discouraged they said oh we're, do we look like this christ do we act like this christ okay then then call us christians and they embraced it and during that time during the first 30 years of this movement called christianity there were already false doctrines and false religions being spread that were different from the New Testament believers believe. It was different from the ones that Jesus Christ um, said, or from what Peter said, or what from Paul said, or from the other apostles, what they said. So these false doctrines and false religions, they were creeping in the church and dividing, but, and dividing itself from real and true Christianity. Uh, we can uh, see this uh, evidence in 2 Corinthians 2.17. 2 Corinthians 2.17 For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, and the sight of God speaking Christ. So you can see here, by this time, it was um, Paul. He already acknowledges the fact that there were already many which corrupt the word of God. Uh, so at that time, many were taking the writings of the gospel, they were corrupting them, they, they falsified them. And not only there were false scriptures, there were also false um, doctrines and false teaching creeping in as well. Uh, we can see in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, He said there, I marvel that ye are so, so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, 
unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Basically, he was saying here, oh, it looks like the gospel, but it's not the gospel. And it, right. it troubles you. It gives you doubt. It gives you um, anxiety. It makes you question the word of God. And you can notice that as well in the Garden of Eden, right? Um, yeah. What did Satan say? He started to question the word of God. Hey, did God say? So it's like that. So this is the characteristics of false doctrines, of false um, gospels. And we can see here that as early as this time in history, there was already an attack, attack on the word of God and also the doctrines of the New Testament church. If you can notice, um, Satan, uh, Satan likes copying God. Yeah. So, for example, um, uh, God has um, the church, or God has um, prophets. Then um, Satan has um, the false prophets, um, which are indulged by familiar spirits. So it's like that, something like that. So if God has a Bible, then Satan has the NIV. Uh, yep. The NKJV, sure. yep. the other um, Bibles derived from So the the text. Uh, so we had the Textus Receptus, which is a received text, uh, and another one which is which was the Alexandrian, Alexandrian. Alexandrian um, scriptures, which were dug up. Um, from Egypt, right? Alexander? Yeah. yeah. And Texas Receptus became the KJV, and the Alexandrian scriptures, they were, they became the basis of NIV and KJV and the other um, false Bibles. And Apocrypha. Apocrypha, yeah. Apocrypha. <coughs> uh, can you consider the book of Enoch as well? No. <laughs> so, by the time of 64 AD, so we had the attack on the Church of God, right? And the Word of God. By the time of 64 AD, we enter into a transitional period. This is where biblical accounts end. Um, it's not that clear there, but this is where the biblical accounts end. <coughs> and then we rely on secular data or secular history to know what had happened. The major shift, although the major shift this time is that the New Testament believers or the Christians, they go from primarily being persecuted by the Jews to now they are being persecuted by the Roman Empire. So in 63 AD to 313 AD, at that time, at this time the Roman Empire was the world power. It's like the US today, USA today. If you study history, there were 10 major persecutions that the emperors of Rome tried to end um, Christianity. Because at that time, um, the believers were on fire, right? So even if they were persecuted by Jews, they were persecuted by the Romans, they were on fire. They did not let that stop them. So, so what the Romans did, they wanted to fight against the Christians. This is where we get um, the history where Christians were thrown into prison. And also, at this time, Christians, they were made to fight each other, and then made to fight with the lions. They also were made to fight in the Colosseums against other wild animals, and they were tortured. For example, um, do you know the Roman Emperor Nero? Yeah, Nero, Nero was um, dubbed as the cra crazy emperor, and at, the time, at this time, he was one of the main persecutors that hate Christians. In fact, um, he hate Christians, hated Christians so much that he lined his gardens with the bodies of Christians. He impaled them. So imagine being impaled. Um, a stake was run from your bottom up into your mouth, and then some of them were being skinned alive. And then he made a, he made torches out of um, the dead bodies, or sometimes they're even alive. So it was not just him. Uh, we have another one is Kalimuda. 
who fed the defenseless Christians to wild beasts as entertainment in the Colosseum. So, in 312 AD, and now there is a major um, shift in history again. In came um, what uh, who we know as Constantine the Great. He was uh, the emperor. Constantine the Great was the emperor, one of the emperors of the Roman Empire, and. Actually, the story goes like this. Um, he had a dream. And in the dream, he had a vision. His vision, in his vision, he sees a burning cross, a floating burning cross, and then there was a banner over it, uh, on top of the burning cross that said, by this symbol, thou shalt conquer. And actually, during this time, the Roman Empire has been dealing on destroying Christianity for years now. So they were unsuccessful because Christianity was uh, on fire. It spread so quickly that um, the Romans had trouble um, containing it. Uh, because it's not only the Jews, right? It's not only the Jews that um, that were spreading Christianity. Now we have the Gentiles as well. They get saved. If the Gentiles getting saved and they save other Gentiles. And they, they get the gospel so other Gentiles get them saved. And so on and so forth. And eventually, um, uh, Constantine was concerned about this because it's, if it becomes a political power, then it could you know, topple him or it could be used by other pe people. So what he did, he said, oh, if, if I cannot beat them, then I'll join them. And, and it actually like this, and he took it to, to the imperial level. He took it to the whole empire. And so he said, and so because of this, he became what we know as the first Roman emperor who converted to Christianity. I, I use this because um, right. you know that I'll tell you later. Actually, he wanted to use Christianity as his um, like propaganda to control the whole human empire as a whole. So. Let's say he, he, he joined Christianity, right? He saw the burning cross, he saw the, uh, the banner. Do you think this man was saved? History tells us that before um, Constantine died, actually, he said, um, he said that he wants to be baptized just before his death. He doesn't want to be baptized now because he said, oh, after I get baptized, and then I sin, then I won't be able to get the forgiveness of my sins. So he believed that once you get baptized, you have to be perfect. So, and he knows that he cannot be perfect, right? So what he did, just baptize me before I die, so I won't be able to commit sins. So basically like that. So, and then we can see that um, this man was not saved. He believed what he believed was not um, true Christianity, but the false belief of Christianity. And because of this, he decided to make this Christianity into the religion of the whole Roman Empire. So imagine being the one world power, right? Like the USA today, or greater than the USA. You are the world power, and then you began to say, oh, let's make Christianity uh, legislation, or let's make uh, a Christianity the, the religion of the whole Roman Empire. <coughs> so, be, so in order to do this, what he did, he said, "Oh, let's have a, let's have a meeting, okay? You Christians there, uh, let's have a meeting at this place at this time, because I want to make Christianity the religion of the whole Roman Empire. So come down, yeah. And then they they are to be uh, they are to figure out how to make this Christianity into the religion of the whole, whole Roman Empire. And he was strongly onto this, that he said, if you're not going to be part of this, then you, you will, I will cast you out. You will be a heretic. And you know what? When a government leader calls up a meeting and says that he wants to make Christianity the religion of all by law, and you know people have to convert to Christianity not because that they want to, but because that they have to. 
they have to be Christians. And you guys, you Christians there, you have to support this. You have to help us set this up. So what do you think happened? Do you think true Christians are going to be there? No, of course not. Because true Christians, they believe that you cannot legislate Christianity. Uh, what is, it's one of the Baptist distinctive, right? Individual soul liberty and autonomy of the church. Of the church, yeah. It means that the church and the state are separate. So, if you can understand this, then true Christians, they believe that the churches, they should not sacrifice their autonomy, though, nor that the churches should um, group together and organize themselves into a hierarchy or a network or convention. But rather, um, true Christians, they believe that the church, the, the head of the church should be Christ. Amen. And it's going to be, uh, it's an, an, um, the one that needs to administer to them is not human, is not, is not people, but um, the Holy Spirit. Because if, if you see this, if God builds the church, if Christ is the head of the church, and the Holy Spirit is the one that administers the church, then what we have is unity. And we leave, like us for example, we leave the mission to God, and uh, we work in the mission based on the Spirit of the God, as, as the Spirit of God leads. So let's go back to that, to the story. So when Constantine the Great had this meeting, no Christian, no true Christian showed up to that meeting. But you know who showed up? It was the group that corrupted the Word of God. Remember, we had those people, right, already? So it was a group that corrupted the Word of God. It was a group that brought the false doctrine, bringing in false systems, and it was then way back from the time of Paul, from even the time of Jesus. They showed up and set up what they referred to as the Roman Universal Church. Universal in Latin is Catholic. So what they set up was a Roman Catholic Church. And thereby, uh, it made Constantine to go down to history as the emperor who set up this Catholic Church. When I, when I went to a Catholic school for my pharmacy degree, um, we were actually the, uh, taught about this, uh, about the Roman Catholic Church, about, yeah, and they were so, so proud of um, uh, Constantine, Constantine the Great, that's what they call him. So, he, because he wanted the Christians to, you know, be his force, political force, Without Constantine, there would be no Catholicism. So let's let's understand this. I just want you to understand this: that the Roman Empire before before Christianity in the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire is just a pagan nation. It is, it is um, paganistic. It is um, polytheistic. They have multiple gods, and they have this um, what we call Eastern mysticism. You know about the rituals and stuff. So now, we have the Catholic Church added to them, uh, actually um, incorporated into them, to their system. So how they did that, remember they had a meeting, right? So how they did it, because they were paganistic, they were polytheistic, what Constantine and the uh, fake, Christian, fake Christians did, they intermingled um, this Eastern mysticism with Christianity. So before, for example, uh, when I say intermingle, they, they had them join together. They incorporated Christianity or pagan practices to, to Christianity. So before, for example, they worship uh, female deity. Let's say it's um, Venus or, um, for example, uh, something like that. So they, if they, they worship a female deity, right? So now, because we want to spread Catholic and we wanted it to be accepted easily in the community. So, you know what? Let's change that female deity to Mary. So now they have Mary. So they pray to Mary. <coughs> so for example, we had a lot, a lot of other polytheistic gods. We had other gods, right? So you know what? Let's, 
make them to saints. So now we can pray to saints. You get the point? So they tried to incorporate um, the pagan culture into Christianity. So if you observe this, just an observation, right? Um, observe how the Catholics had this mystical traditions like lighting candles, lighting scents. You don't get this from the Word of God. You never see it in the Word of God. You know where it came from? It came from the Roman pagan worship that mixed with Christianity. Meanwhile, so we have this one, right? The Catholic started there. And um, meanwhile, we have another line here. See that Christians on the bottom part? <coughs> on the other side were the true believers, the Christians, the one that descended from the church that Jesus Christ built. So what this um, Christians did, they maintained autonomy from the Roman Catholic Church. They said, oh, we won't join you. And what happened now, the Jews persecuted them, right? And then the Romans. And now, the, the Catholic Church added into it. So they persecuted the Christians as well. In actuality, the Roman Catholic Church if you read history, they were the church that had more blood and sense of killing the saints. <coughs> because when they started the Roman Catholic Church, you were not allowed to do anything else. This hit the true believers, and they were persecuted. Uh, take note, in, the, in 580, starting from 580, we call this uh, 580, see that? There's an arrow there at the middle. Yeah. You yeah. see that arrow there? Yeah, that one. So that's the start of the Dark Ages. <coughs> Sorry, I have that. Um. So during the Dark Ages, you can see here that the Roman Catholic Church, they suppressed the truth during this time. They kept the man in the dark because, um, by not allowing him to access literature or education or even the Word of God. It's their line. Uh, it's, it was their line. You are too, you are too naive. Or you don't, even if you read the Word of God, you won't understand it. That's, um, was, that's their line. So during this time, the, the common men were kept in the dark, and they were commended as what the uh, higher ups in the Catholic Church, um, if they commend them, the, the, common, the common folk, they commend them, they just obey. They don't even know what they're doing. <clears throat> and as we, uh, during this time, believers that practiced true doctrine were put into death. It's a good book if you read um, the Trail of Blood. It's it's one um, I think it's, it's one of the best books I've read that depicts our history. And as we begin to come out of the Dark Ages, it's around um, year one thousand. As we begin to come out of that, we can see here um, the Roman Catholic Church. They suffered the first um, the first division in their. Um, in their church, which is called um, the Great Schism. <clears throat> it's called the Great Schism. So basically, it separated the Roman Catholic from the Greek Catholic, because the Greek Catholic, they understood um, the word baptizo, which means baptism, or it means immersion in water. So meanwhile, the Roman Catholic Church, they started, because of Augustine, they started um, the sprinkling of, of the waters of babies to baptize them because Augustine basically said, Oh, I wish I was a baptized when I was a child. So then if he could if he would have died, then he would go to heaven because he was baptized. So they started um, um, baby baptism. And the Greeks the Greeks they said, Oh no, no, no. We we believe that baptism is immersion. So you have to be dumped into the water, you don't get sprinkled in order for you to get baptized, to be saved. So they split 
and that's the Greek Catholic and the Roman Catholic. This is called the Catholic. I think it's called the Orthodox. The Orthodox. <coughs> and and around half a century later, uh, fast forward half a century later, in 1517 AD, the Roman Catholic Church suffered its next division, known as the Protestant uh, Reformation. There, in 1500. So, basically, the Reformation um, depicts the Catholic priests. Some of the Catholic priests they saw how bad it was, how 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 corrupt the church was, and they realized that oh, this is a bad church. This is a bad church. Bad church. It taught bad things. So, some of the Catholic priests that came out was uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, and but. Notice here that these men were in the Catholic Church. That's right. Many of them were priests or spiritual leaders. And they came out of the Roman Catholic Church. And they protested against the Roman Catholic Church. They said, no, you need to stop it. That's why they, called, they were called Protestants. Because they were also called Reformers because they were trying to change the Catholic Church. We're trying, trying to reform the Catholic Church. And one of, um, I think it was uh, Martin Luther, they, he said he was trying to take away the evils of the Roman Catholic Church. <clears throat> it's actually interesting, you know, that these men who founded the Protestant movement, the religions from uh, Protestantism, were priests from the Catholic Church. Notice again that um, there's a separate line there that came from the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles, the true Christianity, and there's another line there that was corrupting the word of God, corrupting the words of Christ, that eventually became the Roman Catholic Church. <coughs> so these church, uh, they call them the false church and the true church. But then notice that the false church gave birth to more churches, more false churches. And out of the Roman Catholic Church came out the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, and all the Protestants. Because we can see here, in, if you can see the life of Martin Luther, he said, I did not leave the church. The church left me. So he saw himself as the continuation of the Catholic Church. This is why when you go to Protestant churches, they recite the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I've actually read them in one of the churches that we go before. Uh, didn't feel like it. Uh, there's an um, Apostles' Creed that says, we believe oh, yeah. in the Holy Catholic Church. Yeah. It says there, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. So they still believe in the Catholic Church. They still believe in the false doctrine. And they believe that they are the one true church. And they actually see themselves as the continuation of the Catholic Church, the Catholic traditions, and that these Roman Catholics, they have apostatized, they have become corrupt. They are not actually against being Catholic. They are just against being Roman Catholic. <clears throat> this is why they are called, we had Orthodox Catholics, and then we had Protestant Catholics. In, if you read history enough, you can see that Martin Luther, he had um, this 95 pieces. In these 95 pieces, he said there um, the things that the church needs to change. He wanted to reform the church. To take it out what's evil and mold the church to what he personally perceived, take note, personally perceived as being good biblical doctrine. <clears throat> but he did not intend to leave the church anyway, and many of his beliefs still lined up with those of the Catholic Church. Ultimately, the, the Catholic Church said, uh, okay, no, you are asking for too much, and they kicked him out. So now, we can see here that the Great War, Catholic Church, he gave birth to multiple other false religions. Uh, so the question is, are Protestants same? Protestants are Catholic-like, like Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox. They brought good things out of the Catholic Church, but they also brought with them bad things. This is why we can see um, baby baptism, they sprinkle babies, and this is why we Protestants today, we believe in um, work salvation. Work salvation, um, you need to be good to be saved. 
We need to go to church to be saved. We need to give money to be saved. We need to get baptized to be saved. <coughs> Basically, you have to do something to be saved. It's not just Jesus Christ alone, or believing in Jesus Christ alone. It's just it's Jesus Christ plus something I have to do to be saved. That's right. And based on experience, when you talk to them, they will claim that they believe. Uh, they will actually give you lip, lip service, you know. They will say, oh, I believe only in salvation by grace through faith. But when you continue to ask them questions, you know, you continuously dig deeper to them, you will find that, yeah, they will say, yeah, but you did. You have to live a good life. Or, yeah, but you have to stop sinning. But, yeah, you have to serve to continuous, continuously. You have to stay, serve continuously to stay safe. So, works to be saved and works to stay safe. So, again, just a reminder that these Protestants, these reformers, they came they did not come out from pure New Testament believers. They came out of the Catholic Church. But this whole time, there was uh, there was a line of believers outside the Roman Catholic Church, the one the bottom. <clears throat> Some of them were called by different things. They were outside the Protestant line. They were outside the Roman Catholic Church, and they had their heritage from the Book of Acts, from the Book of um, uh, from the Book of Acts, from the Apostles, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. They actually went by different names. So if you search the ministry, they go from different names. Some of them were called Waldensians. Some of them were called, called Paulicians. Um, some of them were called Abijansians. So they went by different names uh, on different times. And they believed in certain things. And these things, they were distinct systems that did not allow them to join with the Catholic Church. So understand that these things does not also allow them to join up with the Protestant movement that came out of the Catholic Church. So actually, I, I saw Waldensians, um, Polishians, Abidensians, I, I do not advertise these groups, okay? Uh, like, uh, like Baptists nowadays, you can see in Baptist circles as well, that you can find some heresy there. You can also find heresy in these groups as well. But my point is, there have been groups that stood outside of the mainstream Christianity and outside of the lineage of the Catholic Church and Protestant movement. So, just an update. Before these believers were, you know, persecuted by the Jews, right? Again. And now, we have the Roman, the Roman Empire persecuting them. And when the Roman Empire began the Catholic movement, the Roman Catholic Church began persecuting them. And when the Roman Catholic Church split up, became Protestants, the Roman Catholic Church persecuted them and the Protestants persecuted them as well. So we have a lot of um, people persecuting them. Actually, um, in, in Geneva, John Calvin persecuted true believers. In, if you read history, he had an iron grip in what goes in, what goes in, what, what, uh, where it goes in, uh, in the whole Geneva. You cannot, you cannot even question him. If you question him, uh, for example, one man tried to debate him, he, he said, oh, I, I want to debate you about this and that. It's not, uh, he's not a Christian. He just wanted to debate him. And he was promised a debate, but then he was imprisoned and then he was put to the stake. He was burned alive. And yeah, out of him came um, what we call the Calvinists. People that believe like um, God chose who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. It's the same thing that they were mad about the Catholic Church that they were doing to them. Remember, the Catholic Church um, does not want anybody to question them, right? So these Protestants, they were actually doing what the Catholic Church was doing. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, <coughs> Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? persecution. You can see here that believers will be persecuted until the end. Even Christians today, you can see that we are, we believe in something else. I, I recently um, debated a guy in my work about um, abortion. He actually believed that 
abortion should be legalized and stuff. It's actually legal now, but he believed in abortion. And I, I was talking him out of it. And I said to him, um, you know what? What's the difference between you and the baby? Uh, yeah. It came to the point, right? Yeah. And then he said, I don't know. Um, what? Oh, uh, yeah. And I told him, actually, it's just time. You just have the, enough time to grow. Imagine sure. if if um, your mom said, oh, no, I want to abort him. Then you will not be here now. So if you just have time and that baby doesn't have like enough time, it's just growing, then what what right do you have to kill that person? Amen. And he was, he was um, actually, he was shocked. He just stared at me for a couple of seconds. He said, hey, actually, you're right. Actually, you're right. He was, he was actually convicted. I shared to him the gospel. And I'm not sure if he was saved because he refused me to me. He said, I, I'm, I'm really confused right now, so give me some time. And we split ways, but he recently messaged me again. And uh, he actually completely changed his views regarding abortion. And uh, yeah, um, you can see here that believers will be persecuted until the end. Even Christians today are persecuted through our beliefs, right? Because um, these Christians, this um, the ones that uh, the two Christians, they are um, separatists. They separate themselves from the world, they, but. They were getting people saved. They were getting Catholics saved. They were getting Protestants saved. And they were reaching out to these groups, getting them saved, teaching them to observe all things, and discipling them and guiding them grow. And one of the first things that they told that they taught the new believers is you need to be rebaptized. Because they believe that your baptism, that their baptism was not scriptural because infant baptism was not in the Bible. So we need to rebaptize you to know that uh, to to show that you are actually saved. I mean, he was saved, and just um, like to show everybody that I believe in Jesus Christ, that you need to be rebaptized. Now, this these groups, the Waldensians, the Paulicians, the Algerians, because of what they were doing, they started to get called a mocking name. Again, this is a mocking name. They were called um, Anabaptist, which means re, Anna means re, so re-baptizers, re-baptists. And what they did, they said, right, they, you called us Christians before, and now you call us Anabaptist? Okay, we like that. And they embraced the name, re-baptizers. And eventually the Anna was dropped and they, will, they were only called Baptists. So don't let, don't be confused because some say when I was a kid I was told that Baptists are Protestants as well. But I realized when I was growing up and I got saved, I realized no, we're not Protestants. Right. We're not. Because there has always been a group of people, a movement of Christianity, um, with, uh, from the graph, that has been outside of the Protestant Church, the Catholic Church, and the false Christianity. Uh, in one of the sermons I've heard, one of the uh, one of the pastors said, "If salvation was a physical chain when you got saved, and you literally attach yourself into that chain, if I take that chain and pull back on it, it would bring me back to the individual that got me saved. And if I grab his chain and pull on it, it would link to the missionary that got him saved." And if I was to pull back that chain again, it would bring me back to those that, get, that got that missionary state, and so on and so forth. And if I take that chain and shake it so hard, shake it, I believe that it would take us back to the shores of Galilee, where the Lord Jesus Christ began the movement of the believers. Because there has always been a group of individuals, a group of believers that was a way that was separate from the mainstream false church. Yeah. And they believed certain things that made them distinct. And we call them Baptists. Um, just to end, we have a couple of Baptist distinctives. Um, I might miss some some of them, but number one that, that we have is um, salvation of grace, by grace through faith. So we believe in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Again, if it is not 
groundless. This is from the Bible. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So salvation by grace through faith. When you say grace, what do you, what do you mean by grace? You're getting the things that you don't deserve. You don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve to be saved. You are, you are a sinner. Uh, sinner by nature and sinner by choice. And, but because God loves you, God loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins. Because of that, if you believe in Christ, that's by faith, then you are saved. Salvation by grace through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith? The, the subject of that is salvation. And not of yourself. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. Salvation is not by works. Because salvation is not anybody can boast. That's right. And Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness that you have done. But by His mercy. But according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing the Holy Ghost. So, not by works of righteousness that we have done. Number two is eternal security of the believer. We believe that um, salvation is eternal, and once you get saved, you are always saved. First John five thirteen. First John five thirteen says, "These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may what you may know that ye have eternal life. You may know that you have eternal life. That's why this book was written unto you." In that ye may believe in the name of the Son of God. John 10 28. John 10 28. John 10 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. This Amen. Is Neither shall any man lock them out of my hand. Yep. So, any man. And the next is. Um, inspiration of Scripture, Second uh, Timothy three, sixteen to seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of Scripture and as for doctrine, for proof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Um, and the next one is preservation of Scripture. Actually, some may argue here that um, well, we have the Word of God is inspired. The word of God origin in the originals were inspired. Because they believe that the ones that we have now is not inspired anymore. But if you can realize it in uh, maybe First Peter 125, the Bible says that in First Peter 125 says that the word of the Lord endureth what? How long? Forever. Amen. It's the word that we should cause preservation to you. So if we realize that the the Bible, I, I mean, if we realize that the Scripture was inspired by the Word of uh, by God, and it was preserved by God, then what we have now is the inspired and preserved Word of God. Amen. Yep. The next is biblical authority. Actually, I don't have notes anymore. <laughs> so, biblical authority, autonomy of the local church means that the church is separated from the state. Biblical authority it means that the Bible is um, our reference in both uh, faith and practice. So everything we, we do, everything we believe comes from the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, then it's not true. And next is pastoral authority. The pastor is the head of the church, not the deacons, the pastor. So next is the autonomy of the local church. Right? Uh, next is the biblical baptism. So biblical baptism is oh yeah, the priest of the believers. Oh. <coughs> priest of the believers. Um, it means that we can directly communicate with God. Amen. So we don't have to go to the priest. We don't have to go Amen. to the confessions. We confess our sins. We can just go straight to God. We can kneel down. Pray. Amen. We can ask for forgiveness. We That's can ask right. for blessings. And this is the actually the benefit of being the children of God. Amen. Amen. And next is 
<laughs> two ordinances. One is baptism and the other one is the Lord's Supper. And the next one is individual soul liberty. Which means each person is saved by his or her choice. And out goes Calvinism. Because they believe that God accepts who will be saved and who will not be saved. So we can see in the Bible that um, I think it's in the Revelation side. Yeah. Um, Revelations 22. Um, yeah. And I'll give it more like uh, 20, 22, 22, 17. Uh, 22, 17. Uh, 22, 17. Let's take a look. <coughs> uh, Revelation 22, 17. This is actually very important because people will try Amen. to use you. And that's why we have to ground ourselves in the Bible. Yep. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that hears say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will. Amen. So it's, it's a, it says something about your own will, about your freedom of choice. Let him take the water of life freely. <clears throat> Next is um, saved, baptized to be part of the body of Christ. This is baptism, uh, yeah. Become baptism. And next is two offices. Two offices: the pastor and the deacons. And I'll just add one more. I believe that I believe in confrontational soul winning. So you have to open your mouth to get somebody saved. Yep. You have to go to them, talk to them, and preach to them the gospel. Um, I'm not against. Um, Uh, like living your life and being a good example to others. Uh, you try to share the gospel by your life, just living, but not sharing the word of God. Uh, but I believe that you have to confront people, not not to be, um, yeah, not to debate them, but just share to them by your own mouth the gospel. You learn something. I think that's all. And uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Let's bow down our hands in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you Lord, for um, uh, your knowledge that you have given to us, Lord. Uh, forgive, forgive me, Lord, if I said something that's not uh, from your word. But Lord, um, we just thank you for your uh, protection through your word, you know. Uh, Lord, and, um, I pray that um, you bless everyone tonight. Uh, and may they study uh, more about the gospel, about the Bible, Lord, and uh, give us the utterance that we need to share the gospel to others. Just thank you, pray. Amen.